Welcome to Secrets to Victorious Living podcast. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. I'm Lucia Claiborne. Thank you for joining me today as we discover God's secrets to help you overcome life's challenges. This will help you become victorious in every area of your life. Today's your day to start walking in and experiencing a greater level of victory. As I begin a new series on faith, I'm going to approach faith a little differently this week. I want to ask you some questions with your faith in mind about your hopes and your dreams. Have you tucked your dreams away? Have you rocked them to sleep and tucked them into bed in a dimly lit room inside your heart? Maybe you don't want to think about them anymore because the pain of not seeing your dreams come to pass just hurts too much. So instead of keeping your dreams alive by thinking about them and talking about them and putting pictures on a vision board, you've just let them die quietly where you tuck them inside your heart. And you may have even forgotten about them because so much life has happened since you tucked them away in that dark corner. I want to encourage you today to wake up your dreams. You can do it one of two ways. You can either go in and wake them up gently and dust them off and resurrect them. Or you can go in and just yank them out of bed, shake the dust off of them, and command them to live. Now, this is your choice. But you need to know that the dreams that God has given you were not meant to die unfulfilled. God gave them to you for a purpose. And not only to bring you joy, but to touch other people's lives in the process of you accomplishing your dreams. Matthew 19.26 says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. So today, I want to stir up your faith and tell you, pull out your dreams. I picked dreams to use as my analogy for faith because I think as women of God, wives and mothers, we've probably put many of our dreams and goals aside for a season to serve our husbands and our children. And since I'm not a man, I don't know what you think. However, I would imagine that as men, you have put your dreams aside to take care of your wife and your children. As parents, You may have toddlers around your feet. I want to tell you to enjoy these moments because they will pass all too quickly. You may be in a season that you have teenagers who are becoming more independent, looking at businesses of their own, working outside the home, or maybe they're deciding to go to college and they need your counsel and your advice. You know, as your children leave your home and the seasons of your life change, the time is going to come when you'll need to wake up your dreams and stir up your faith to see them come to pass. Right now, you may just need faith to get through the day because you're in the heat of a trial. In 2 Peter 3.1, Peter says that he came to stir up their pure minds and put them in remembrance of what they'd already heard. I'm here to do the same thing for you today. At some point, you've probably heard or read what I'm going to be sharing today. However, I've come to stir you up. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God and then hearing it again and hearing it again. Today's your day to stir up or resurrect that measure of faith that you've been given and to resurrect your dreams by using your faith. Your faith may seem weak, but 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he has said to them, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. 
My prayer is that by the end of this series, you'll know how to have strong faith in God. The spirit of faith can be taught, but it can also be caught. So I pray you'll catch the spirit of faith as you listen today. You're probably already aware of the fact that the things we need from God don't just automatically come to us. We have to ask God for them in Jesus' name and then believe or exercise our faith to receive them from God. It's not just an act of our will. We have to exercise our faith by acting on God's Word. We can wish for things and we can hope for things and we can try to make them happen. But we don't receive from God that way. We have to exercise our faith by believing we receive from God the things that we ask for. Now, faith is not only a substance. It's a powerful force with supernatural power. God's Word is a supernatural power, and it has the power to change our situations when we put it to work for us. The Bible is the breath, the nature, and the power of God, and His power will work for you if you'll dare to believe it. When we receive the Word of faith through God's Word, we receive the very nature of God Himself. As we receive God's Word of faith, we become partakers of His divine nature. We're in touch with the living force, which is the actual power of God that will manifest in our lives or in our bodies. It's important that we have a foundation of truth, something greater than ourselves that we can stand on. In Hebrews 12, 2, we read, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus gives us examples of faith in the Gospels and finishes our faith with manifestations of what we ask of God. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified Bible tells us, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. From this verse, we see that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I've talked to some people who say they don't believe in anything that they can't see or confirm with one of their five senses. If that's you, I want to encourage you today with the truth that everything you can touch and see is temporary and it will perish. But the things that we don't see are eternal and they won't fade away, according to 2 Corinthians 4.12. Are you focusing on tangible things or with things that are eternal? I'd like to remind you that as a born-again child of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. We have more power, more vision, and more truth of any inward impact of Jesus' life, His death and resurrection power that's more real than anyone can ever comprehend who only lives in the tangible realm. God manifests himself to the person who dares to believe in him for the miracles, signs, and wonders. Holy Spirit desires for us to understand that there's nothing that can interfere with our coming into perfect blessings except unbelief. Unbelief is an incredible hindrance to believers. It stops us from receiving everything from God. As soon as we're willing to trust Holy Spirit and allow Him to have His way, we'll find great things happening in our lives all the time. How many of us really believe the Word? It's easy to quote the Word, but it's more important that we believe the Word beyond a shadow of a doubt rather than just quote it. 
Let's look at two kinds of faith. The Bible compares two kinds of faith. One is Abraham faith, and the other is Thomas faith. Abraham, who is called the father of faith, had spiritual faith, a heart faith, which is based on everything God said, even though he didn't see it in the natural realm. Thomas, who was called Doubting Thomas, had natural human faith. Everyone who is saved or unsaved has this kind of natural or human faith. Thomas's faith is based solely on physical evidence. He believed only what he could see, not what God said. We read this in John 20, 24 through 29. One of the twelve was present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was Twin. So the disciples informed him, We have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, There's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together, and even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, Put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then the words spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord and my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but yet they believed in me with their hearts, and they will be blessed even more. Now let's compare this faith to Abraham's faith. If Abraham had gone by what he could see and what his physical senses told him, he would never have received God's promises. Common sense tells us that a 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman are not going to have children. However, Abraham had God's promise that he was to be the father of many nations, and he believed God's promise as we read in Romans 4, 17-21. It says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. I get excited when I read that verse. Abraham believed what God said, not according to how he felt. He didn't believe his feelings. He didn't believe based on what he saw, and he didn't believe in his physical senses. His faith was based solely on God's promise. He knew there was nothing too difficult for God because God can do anything. Abraham was convinced that God could and would accomplish what he said he'd do. Abraham's blessing is our blessing because we're God's sons and daughters. 
We're told in Galatians 3.14 that Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in doing so dissolved the curse of our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God, who gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in Him. Abraham's blessing was threefold, spiritual, physical, and mental. God told Abraham's descendants that they could have the blessings of Abraham or the curse because of the covenant he made with Abraham. We choose. The curse included sickness, poverty, lack, disease, and everything that's bad. But believers are not under the curse because Galatians 3.13 in the Passion Translation says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And skipping on down to verse 29, we read, And since you've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Does that not excite you? Because we're Abraham's seed. Abraham's blessings are ours. We don't receive God's blessings with Thomas' faith. We receive the blessings the same way that Abraham received his blessings, through faith, through believing what God said in his word. Many times, people try to get Abraham's blessing with Thomas's faith or head knowledge faith. If they can't see it, they won't believe it. They only believe what they see, hear, or feel in the natural realm. Their faith is based solely on their feelings. If they feel like they have something, then they believe they have it. But if they don't feel like they have it, they don't believe that they have it. Many times, people fail to get answers to their prayers or receive healing and prosperity simply because their faith is based on physical evidence or on sense knowledge. When we pray, we don't go by how we feel after we pray. We release our faith. We believe that what we've prayed is in line with the Word of God according to John fifteen sixteen, which says that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will do it. We need to base our faith on what God's Word says, no matter how we feel at the time, and we have to stand on His promises until the answer comes. Real faith in God is taking God at His Word and making it the final authority in our life. If the Word says it, we believe it, regardless of what our situation or circumstances may look like. When we believe the Word of God in our heart and we speak it out of our mouth, the Word will work for us because Mark eleven twenty three says, Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. As I close today, I want to remind you that God created you to win and walk in victory every day of your life. And you can do that by walking in faith. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you with an everlasting love, and He has great plans for your life, no matter what today looks like. If you'd like more information on how to live the victorious life, I invite you to visit my website, luciaclaiborne.com, and sign up for my daily emails, Faith Builders for Victorious Living, and my monthly email, Victory Thoughts. Then plan to join me next week as we continue our series on faith.